Hello, Consumed listeners. Welcome to the 19th season of the podcast about eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers across California, and especially at its heart, the Central Coast. For this season, I'm chatting with food and beverage legends, people who have made a significant impact on their industries and the palates of generations to come. I think you're going to love it. But before we begin, I want to tell you about some of the Consumed Podcast sponsors. Casa du Metz is a boutique winery in Los Alamos celebrating its 12th year in this historic one-horse town. Their attention and motivation is captured by creating aromatic fresh wines that defy expectation. With three brands, Casa du Metz, Clementine Carter, and The Feminist Party, their goal is to highlight the beauty and bounty of Santa Barbara wine country. They have a particular sweet spot for Rhone variety wines sourced from cool climate vineyard partners in the Santa Rita Hills. Join them for their popular weekly speaker series, monthly wine club vineyard tours, Malibu sessions, and a unique tasting experience where you choose your own wine adventure. Join the discovery with Casa du Metz and their sister business, Babby's Beer Emporium, next door to explore quirky craft beers and bubbles while enjoying dumplings and spicy wings from Dim Sama. 2023 marks their 19th vintage, and they want to celebrate with you. Visit casadumetz.com for more information. Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality groceries, local produce, and exceptional customer service. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and a variety of organic selections. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store open every day, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. And check out their website at slowfood.coop. Slow Life magazine is the bi-monthly publication that introduces readers to the people, happenings, and culture of San Luis Obispo. I write the food column for Slow Life, and for the next issue, I'm talking with Sara Garafalo, a consumed alum who teaches Ayurvedic eating with an Italian twist. She just released a cookbook, and I wanted to understand more about how she came up with this special brand of dietary counseling. For locals, you can expect to find the magazine in your mailbox every other month, or if you're a visitor, pick up a copy at Boo Boo Records or subscribe at slowlifemagazine.com. Okay, on to the episode. Some products are so tightly woven into the culinary consciousness of a place that it's hard to believe they ever didn't exist. Such is the case with the Brown Butter Cookie Company, makers of a ridiculously addictive shortbread cookie that California and the Central Coast just can't get enough of. I spoke with co-founder Tracy Hosey Alderson about her beginnings in marketing for Calvin Klein Fragrance, as well as the origins of this special cookie in the back of a deli in Cayucas in 2008, how locals and out-of-towners alike have embraced it as our cookie, and the ways the company is currently giving back and bursting at the seams. Enjoy my conversation with Tracy Hosey Alderson of the Brown Butter Cookie Company. 
Well, I guess we should call myself Tracy Hosey Alderson. Hosey Alderson. So Hosey is my um, maiden name. My sister and I have the same name. And yeah. then um, I got married two years ago. Oh, yeah. So my new name is Alderson. And my sister also married my husband's brother. So we're both um, now Aldersons. I can't. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know this has nothing to do with the cookies. <laughs> but how did that happen? How did that all play out? Were you old, like childhood friends or something? So, yeah. So my husband and I knew each other in high school, but we never dated. Yeah. And so, yeah. So my sister met his brother through us being married and together. So we've been together now about three years. That and is, that makes family gatherings very simple, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. <laughs> that is the And we coolest. all get along really well. So it's my sister's my best friend and business partner. Yeah. And their best friends, so it works out great. That's awesome. Yes. Tell me her first name again. Uh, my name? Her first her, name. Krista. Krista, that's right. Yes. And you started this together. Are you older or is she older? I'm older. Five okay. years older. Oh, that's the distance between me and my brother, too. Yeah. So how did the... Lots of questions. How did the idea of a brown butter salted cookie, which had not up until then been on the market locally as something, you know, a local company made, how did you decide upon that product in particular? Yeah, so we had a little deli 15 years, probably 16 years ago, and we decided to make a product for Christmas gifts for our customers. So it was really random, and it was our take on a recipe that we read. And so it was... Um, it's not like an original idea. It's just an, a takeoff on our own. Yeah. Um, you know, like when you do your own version of a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. This was our take on this cookie. And we ended up using brown sugar instead of white sugar. And mm. the cookie that we now produce does look slightly different than the one we first made because mm. we've mm-hmm. kind of perfected it. And so, um, yeah, so we started offering it as a Christmas present. And then we just started making it in our little deli. And the customers would come in and... They were fascinated with the name, so they would mm-hmm. read brown butter sea salt cookies. Mm-hmm. And we'd say, oh, please have a sample. And they'd walk out, and they'd come back in and buy up everything we had. And yeah. so it was really my sister, Krista, that was really, um, she goes, I really think we should just close our deli and open back up as a cookie company. Really? And so it just kept talking to us. So we think, well, that's crazy. And then the next person would come in and do the same thing. So we just really listened to the cookie. <laughs> It wanted to come out. So, yeah, Aww. so we closed our deli. Um, it was, we first, we launched our one-page website mm-hmm. um, 15 years ago. And it, um, our first holiday season, we rolled about 10,000 cookies mm. um, after hours, after being a deli during the day. Mm. And then we closed our doors and spent like three months really working on new signage and branding. And we started participating in farmer's markets and wine mm-hmm. festivals and um, just getting the name out. And then we opened our company back up, our same little shop with the Brown Butter Cookie Company sign. And and that's Cayucas. And that was in Cayucas. So, so it was the a really deli was in that space. That little tiny shop. Yeah. Okay. Right next to the north of the Cass House. Right. Yeah. And how did you come to start that deli? Was it a family business? No, we had moved. Um, from Southern California. I was married at the time Mm -hmm. and it was, the space was available and we were looking to do something locally. And my ex-husband was, um, loved food. Mm. And so we ended up opening a little specialty food store and we did paninis and salads Mm -hmm. and fresh hummus. I think I remember it. We had a few cookies there. We had our chocolate chip cookie, our oatmeal raisin, 
and I think our peanut butter. Mm. And then my sister moved up from Southern California to help us. And then it just kind of went from there. We ended up closing down the deli. I had a divorce. Mm-hmm. And Chris Big and changes. I, yeah, Chris mm-hmm. and I opened up the cookie shop. So it's not like a grandmother no, it's taught you how to bake or obviously didn't give you the recipe, anything like that. Do people assume that a lot of the time? They ask if I, you know, if I always wanted to have a bakery or if yeah. I always wanted to have a bakery. And it was more of something that we just felt inspired to do mm-hmm. um, and kind of listen. So when we first started, we closed the deli down um, in December and that two months later, my sister Krista was able to get us in Gourmet Magazine in their online newsletter. And it was oh. like we had just started. And okay, wait, quick, yeah. quick um, RIP for Gourmet Magazine. My favorite magazine of all time. It still hurts me that it shut yes. down. But yeah, that's a that's a, a win for sure. And we really, I mean, it was before you could even check your activity on your cell phones. Mm-hmm. So it was back and we were working the farmer's market booth wondering, what are we going to go back to? How many orders did we get? Mm. And I think we had somewhere between two and 500 orders from that. Wow. But we realized we could be, live in Cayucas, have mm-hmm. this special shop and business, and then ship our cookies all over. So that became a huge part of your business model is the online activity. You would think so. People always assume um, it really was prior to this last year, only 8% of our business. Mm. And most of our business was direct to customers through our Cayuca store. Mm -hmm. Um, I would not have assumed that. Yeah. I think of it as like a gifting. It's such a good gifting thing. Mm -hmm. And also they have a great shelf life. Yes, a four-week shelf life. Yeah, which is excellent for a natural product. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and we opened Paso 11 years ago, Mm -hmm. and that store continues to grow, and then we have a store in San Luis. But um, we did open a new facility a year ago in North County, in Atascadero, Mm -hmm. and now we've we've doubled our shipping business just by having the space and the the platform and the Mm -hmm. promotions. And Do you think COVID had anything to do with that? No. um, It's just your efforts to get it off the ground. Yeah, I mean, Cayucas was really space-challenged. It was a very large retail store, but not a large space where you could build a shipping department over the holidays. Mm -hmm. And because we could only produce so many cookies, we were always limited to what we could do based on just having enough product. So we'd open a new store and trying to make everything in Cayucas, everything is made by hand. So we brown Mm. two pounds of butter for every hundred cookies. Mm. And we have a very high labor cost. Our cost is like 45% um, labor. So it's really um, having that size space in three stores and growing. We really didn't have the capacity to really be too promotional. And now that we have another space, we we have a creative director Mm -hmm. and we are doing promotions and um, collaborations and really just driving that part of our business now that was really underdeveloped. Why do you think this cookie captured the hearts of the local community, but also the visiting, you know, the huge tourist economy. There's, there are lots of cookies around, but this one is one that people really look to as a, as um, an anchor, as like a flagship product in that field, in that, that section of the food industry. Why do you think that happened? Well, um, it's interesting because when we first started and we would watch the success of the cookie and the and the growth, you you started questioning like, is this a fad? Is this something mm-hmm. that's you know, 
you know, how much life does this have, this cookie have? And I, when you would um, talk to customers, there's something about that brown butter and the brown sugar and vanilla yeah. that's very, reminds them of a time or mm. the, it's like the flavor profile is kind of haunting a it's, little bit. <laughs> and so... <laughs> then it's like a nostalgia thing in yes, a way. Yes, and it's still to this day, the original brown butter sea salt cookie, we do 60% of that of our brown butter business in that flavor. Yep. And so it was interesting when we would launch new flavors, I would watch and customers would pick up their original and then they would go over and, and say, mm. oh, I see that you have a new cinnamon or mm-hmm. almond. And instead of putting down their original and picking up their the new flavor, yeah, they, they would both. collect, mm-hmm. yes. And so they would never part with that original. So we still sample the original first out of the gate when customers come yeah. in because we feel like that's the flavor that brings people back. Mm-hmm. And then I think the fact that it's it's not easy to mimic. So for instance, for a big company to come in and knock it off would be very difficult because you you don't get that flavor unless you have that brown butter. Yeah. Um, and they're hand rolled, which gives it an unusual texture in the inside. So you so can't So a company just, couldn't automate that. It would have to be a, a, a takeoff of that cookie. Yeah. But it wouldn't be that same experience with the texture and mm-hmm. um Maybe you can get the brown butter flavor in different ways, but just having it hand-rolled, a hand-rolled shortbread gives it that unique texture. So there's mm-hmm. really not a lot in that cookie, so you can't put it in a normal portioning machine. Right. It has to be hand-rolled, so it's full of love and full of labor. Yeah. And so I do think it's the combination of the that flavor profile and the texture mm-hmm. that brings people back. Um, and I do think it's really, you know, it's we, we'll see at the beach people come in and, They'll come get their cookies before they get their beach keys to their house that they come to every year. And then they come the next day and they get their gifts for the um, dog walker and the, Mm -hmm. you know, all the people watching their homes. And then they come in the next day and they're like, we ate all of our gifts. And so, (laughs) so it is something that people gift. And that does, you know, especially in the very beginning of our business, really helped us in Cayucas have a second season. So where you normally were counting on your summer, we had that holiday business and we had the holiday shipments. And so that really does help um, give us two seasons. Yeah, and not right back to back. Yes. Yeah. Uh, The texture you bring up, um, is it technically a shortbread? It is a shortbread. Yeah, okay. But there is a difference in the texture. There's like a sable, like I don't want to say sandy, but there is kind of something similar to beach sand (laughs) in the way that it breaks is really unique. And I don't know if it has to do with the the temperature of the butter mm. when we make the cookies. So it's, um, if it the butter's too warm mm-hmm. when we're making our dough, it does get sandy. Yeah. So I think... I mean it in a positive sense. Well, I mean, like in a, like if you're thinking of a traditional shortbread, I think that would be something that's creamed butter. I see. And it's, a, so it is a melt, it is a melted, softened brown butter. So yeah. it is a different texture, which I think is what creates that, that texture in the cookie. Right. Uh, there's us there have been different ideas on giving new flavors. So you've got your original and then you have other flavors. I've heard there's a great Malcolm Gladwell um, talk about Prego, the the sauce. They stuck with the original, but then they actually had way more sales when they opened it up to different kinds. So you've got like 
garlic, you've got whatever meat sauce or basil, whatever. They would put out a ton of different versions and that helped their sales. There are other companies and products where it hindered their sales without you having to give all the analytics on what what you garner. I mean, have you found that to be helpful to have different flavors? Well, I think if you look at, we, for us, we have a very loyal um, customer base. Mm-hmm. And so I think of the new flavors as something that's fun for um, customers to try something new and yeah. bring them in and keep them excited. And so we usually try to launch our new flavors in the spring, mm-hmm. around spring break, so that during our peak season in summer, people that ha- are revisiting our shops have something new. Yeah. And so I think that's um, really been... You know, we've gone through times where we didn't have a lot of product development, Mm -hmm. and um, I think it's fun. I mean, we now have the space to make more flavors, and we're doing collaboration flavors. So we did a spicy bourbon with Firestone recently that's exclusive to them. You don't use use any of their product in it, do you? No. Okay. It's just meant to complement. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And they did beer pairings with it. Um, And then we we just talk about how great that is. Because the taste of beer with like a a (laughs) spiced bourbon cookie, like you can't, it doesn't get better. It is so much fun. And they do like bold, um, surprising flavors. So Jenna really worked, she's our creative director, worked closely with them on the concept and all the um, inserts of product information that talked about the pairing of the beer beer with our cookies. Yeah, and, I love it. Um, it's super fun, and it's something that you can only get there or online with us, mm-hmm. but it gives them a special, unique product, and I think that's really fun to really partner with local companies. Yeah. And we're also doing that with Eto and Tin City. So they have a sage that we mm-hmm. created for them. We we love the store and we um, the restaurant, and we just thought that the flavor profile would fit. Yeah. And so they now are selling it in their location, and we mm-hmm. have it online as well. So having new flavors creates, I think, a bigger audience in that case because it's part their audience as well. And then in our stores, I think it just creates some fun and excitement. But we still end up doing 60% of our business in original. So I just think it's, um, we always lead with that as the first sample and experience when people come in. Yeah. That sage cookie, how do you balance the sweet and savory in that? Because when you think, when I think of sage, I think of a savory flavor. But then I'm thinking about sage and butter, brown mm-hmm. butter, are a classic pairing Absolutely. in Italian cuisine. So how do you get that to work, the sweet and the savory? You know, it was our first time. We did um, another savory flavor this year. We did thyme, and oh. we offered it as a limited edition this mm-hmm. fall online and in our stores. And um, that was the first time we really tried doing a little bit of a combination mm-hmm. of a savory with sweet. And it works beautifully. It's yeah. still a sweet cookie. So for us to have the right consistency in the recipe for that cookie, um, you it does need the brown butter, the vanilla, and, and the sugar. The sugar. Yeah. And so you really can't take that brown sugar out mm. and have the um, same cookie. Yeah. So what we did is we steeped the um, sage in the butter, the warm butter, mm-hmm. and then we also um, put sage in the dry ingredients as well. So you're getting double that. Yeah. So and the same thing with the thyme. So it really just... Um, and it's fun, and it, it works with the sweetness. Yeah. There are a lot of cookies in, in I'm thinking in Italian cookies in particular, where there's, 
anise or um, rosemary mm-hmm. or those kinds of things. So there is a precedent for yeah. like an herbal sweet cookie. And then I think the chef also at Edo is sprinkling the brown butter, sea salt, sage cookies on top of their butternut squash. Oh, so that's M-G. and they also have Parmesan cheese. So it's really a sweet and savory combination. So it works with that as well. I haven't tasted it yet. What a though. cool idea to use yeah. that as a garnish or a topper mm-hmm. on something. Um, talk to me about times when, um, you know, pains, growing pains, <laughs> what have been the thresholds that kept something from growing? And then you had to take a risk and you went over that threshold. Well, we could talk the rest of this. I bet <laughs> yeah, it's a huge, it's, it's a become huge a huge part. company. Yeah. Well, it's also, um, you know, you have like the last 18 months where we have gone through a lot of, um, investment and yeah. time and resources to open a new facility. And mm-hmm. you have these these moments where you have now space to have a shipping department and you have, um, you can do collaborative brands and there's all this, all, all these things you can do that are super creative and inspiring and lift you up. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the growing pains of growing into, you know, recovering from an investment spend and right. how, you know, you always think it's going to be immediate that you're in there and that your new programs are going and you just have to give everything time. Yeah. And um, that's the hardest part. So you have, you know, I think a really, you know, it's a, cha- a little bit of a challenging time for us to open with the price of equipment and refrigeration. Sure. And so it was, an, it was a definite investment mm-hmm. spend. And then, um, you have now you have a new team and we already mm. run heavy, um, high staffing costs. And so we're all labor. And labor isn't easy yes. just on its own right now. So I feel like that's been the challenge is just really trying to navigate the, the growth period of allowing yourself to grow in mm. to your space and your programs and know that we've planted and watered and fertilized and we have this great foundation and everything's working. So when you're looking mm-hmm. like we're having nice increases and, you know, online business is up 100 percent, but we're still having to um, grow as quickly as we can to offset just our operating costs. And that doesn't really take into consideration what you've already spent that you're recovering from Mm -hmm. and additional equipment that you might still need. Yeah. So we're doing, you know, a program with the schools that we're super excited about. And it's a um, they're calling it a confetti soft biscuit. It looks like a cookie. Yes. And it's probably the hardest product development project we've ever done. Um, we have a director, Brooke, who works with us, who I now call our chemist. Mm-hmm. And she's been very intimate with the school calculator and what it can and cannot have to be in the schools. And it's really about having something that's for breakfast. Yeah. That's fun. It has confetti on it. It looks like a cookie. It's more of an uncookie. But it only has made with whole grain, has like 50% less fat. Fat, sodium, sugar, then a cookie. Yeah. The school uh, school uh, dietary restrictions mm-hmm. are very firm and very specific, yes. I know, for what you can make. Yes. And it does have to be whole grain. And um, yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah, so it's really fun. So we just launched San Luis um, School District in August, and it was a collaboration with them. So we brought in samples, and we kept working on it because we could make something um, that might meet the numbers, but it needed yeah. to be something that would be delicious and, and from your heart. Yeah. yeah. So it's really, it's really fun. And we're rolling out other schools. We just rolled out Templeton, mm-hmm. Shandon, San Miguel, Orchid, um, 
and then we'll be doing Paso shortly. That is fantastic. Yeah, so that's really fun. So you worked with Erin Primer at yes, San Luis uh-huh. Coastal. She's been on here, and she is a rock star. She, she is. Her is, energy is so great and positive, yeah. and she's such a supporter. And, and an innovator. Mm-hmm. She really wants local local people to help feed local kids, yes. and I think that's amazing. Tell me a little bit more about this thing. So it's an uncookie, but it looks like a cookie. I'll show you a photo here. Yeah, okay. Um, so it looks like this. It has sprinkles. Oh, it looks like a cookie. It looks like a cookie. Yes. Confetti breakfast soft biscuit. So it's almost like the, what are they called? Um, the concha, you know, that, that often goes out for breakfast mm-hmm. with school. But it's hard. We had a really hard time naming it because yeah. it's not a cookie and it's not a pancake mm-hmm. and it's not really bread. Um, there's something that kind of tastes a little bit to me, I think, like a c- cereal milk, like something oh, that's kind of subtle. And when we're making, we're baking the um, the confetti soft biscuits, it just smells so good. Oh, great. So we sweeten it with Cook's extracts. Yeah. So we have a um, strawberry and a sweet cookie dough, and that's what gives it the sweetness as well as the some of the um, sprinkles. Yeah. And it's um, only 12 grams of sugar yeah. per serving and made with whole grain. Which and is what, you know, Cheerios multigrain cereal is, yeah. is, is 12 grams of sugar. Yeah. I, we just looked at that this morning. So. Yeah, it's amazing now that I've had this project at what I look at now on the labels. Yes. And, and so it's really important for us to do something that, that the students would love. Yeah, and um, hopefully come out with other flavors in the future. So we're just now doing a whole rollout plan for January, mm. and we want to do a program in Cayucas where the, the people can come in and the kids can come in and see us making them, Fantastic. and then have breakfast with us maybe on a Saturday morning <gasps> where we could give out like um, soft biscuits with with milk and just really create awareness for the program. So yeah. the schools, the way it works, is part if. If they can build participation mm-hmm. in the breakfast program, often it can be covered through a grant, through their mm-hmm. grants. And yeah. so just really building awareness and participation and mm-hmm. putting the school names on our website and just really trying to create some energy behind it. A sense of them having ownership over you, over over your product, over yeah. this thing that they get at school. Yeah, so it's yeah. super fun. That really is beneficial in so many ways to so many different groups. I think that's incredible. I had no idea you were doing that. And I, as somebody who has kids in school, that builds um, it builds loyalty, I suppose, from them. But also, it, it's just such a good thing for them to see where this stuff comes from. It feels really um, community-driven, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, that feels great. Also, you know. also, it's a contract right? So there's something cool about that where you don't have to guess, you know, how is this going to sell? Well, every school district is different and they do, um, they're programming it differently. So Mm -hmm. you might have um, one school with um, elementary school where they're doing it every day or they might do it once a week. And then you might have another school district that's doing it as a special Mm -hmm. once a month. So it's not really um, and Morro Bay, I know they offer it, I think, at the high school with yogurt. So it's just being programmed differently everywhere. Okay. So you would think it's more of a formula and you open a mm. school, but it really is um, something that people can kind of customize or different school districts. Yeah. And it's nice for us because we are still small when it comes to that lane. Mm-hmm. And so we can 
you know, participate in Santa Maria once a month yeah. where we might not be able to handle the capacity of once a week yeah. and touch more students. So that's, it's really different. Um, we haven't talked at all about where you come from. I'm thinking you have such a business sense. Did you have that before you opened the deli? And like, you know, what were you good at in school that translates to what you're doing now? Yeah, I, um, I look at my early 20s, I started with Calvin Klein fragrance, fragrances, and it was CK one, CK one, Eternity, Obsession. I, I was would there during all those times. Really? Yeah, and so they were really um, a leader in their industry. They did a lot of yes, investment into their employees, and so I kind of grew with them. Mm-hmm. And I was um, started off as an account executive, and I moved all the way up, worked in their New York office, and so I felt like that's where I really received all my management mm-hmm. and marketing training. That's good training. Um, and I feel like now I've been in um, working with people and building teams now for 30 years. Okay. And so it's interesting. I have Jenna, who I was mentioning, who's yeah. our creative director. And she's, she said, you know, I think what you do is you build teams mm. and you happen to make cookies. Yeah. You and also work with things that have great smells. I'm going <laughs> to say. <laughs> that's a common thread I'm seeing is yeah. the things you work with smell great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I felt like that's where I really had my base of, um, you know, just for like probably 10 to 12 years I was with them. So How does somebody get into the fragrance business? I was, I don't know. I think I was young and I, I was living back east. And, Is um, that where you're from? No, I'm from Cal- Southern California. Okay. Went to high school up here in Templeton. You, you yes, really are local. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, so... Yeah, everything is interesting. You go through your life and different things that you do, and you just collect all this information, and then you're like, oh, my gosh. It just you feel like, I feel like I use everything I've ever learned, and I'm always still having to um, learn new skills. And mm. um, Yeah. It's funny you mentioned CK1. It came up recently. I would know that scent anywhere. I was in high school in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can think of like boys I danced with, <laughs> slow danced with, where I was like, oh my gosh, she's got way too much of this stuff on. But yeah, it's a it's an iconic yes. brand. Yeah, yeah, they did a lot of, um, they were great at launching brands and yes. protecting their um, classic business while they launched new fragrances. So mm-hmm. again, ha- having more people collect their fragrances instead of trading off yes. with newness. Um, they were a leader with um, just relationships with the people in the stores mm-hmm. and um, the retailers and their marketing. Their marketing. You think about the black absolutely. and white photos and there's a great, that great SNL um, spoof called Obsession uh-huh. by Calvin <laughs> Klein. It's one of my favorites. One of my favorites. So so if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you started the brown butter cookie business? Let's see. Well, I'm, I'm 58 now. Mm-hmm. So it was like 15 years ago. Okay. So, yeah. And then my sister's five years younger. Right. So, I mean, you're not starting this business in your 20s. No. You're starting it later when you have all this, you've garnered all this experience with building and working mm-hmm. with teams. Yeah, definitely. That part was the easier part. Um, you know, my sister and I, for some reason, have been really... Um, successful at um, keeping our employees we have mm-hmm. with the cookie company you know s- over 60 employees we have mm-hmm. a five-year club and a 10-year club all of our directors have been with us you know 14 15 years so we tend to collect magical people truly yeah, yeah. and um, so that part of it is the easy part and then just learning how to navigate like the, the challenges that you can't control like 
mm. you know, just everything that everyone's gone through yeah. over the last few years. Does it feel a little bit like um, a video game, like avoiding obstacles sometimes? Just, um, uh, you know, taking care. Does it feel like whack-a-mole sometimes? Like, <laughs> you know, take this down. Take, okay, this is a new thing and take this down. Does well, it ever feel like that? I think through going through all the COVID times yeah. and change, um, it's interesting because I'm really comfortable with change mm. and a lot of people are not. Mm -hmm. And so just seeing now how our, our team and our employees have had to go through so much change yeah. and now it's becoming a little bit um, easier for them. So they know that, you know, we went through, you know, just our environment and mm -hmm. how we make our product and spacing out and walk up windows and then, you know, what we what we needed, you know, customer service experience to be versus what it is now. And interesting. And just really continuing to be open and change and the ideas that come. And um, so it's in some things that you pick up and you learn. And, um, you know, you really have to when business is tough as an owner, you have to dig in even deeper. Mm -hmm. And so you realize I mean, everything that, you know, you think you're looking at your business and you're like, I need to go even look at it at a deeper level and yeah. how we're spending and and, um, and hours and making sure that it pencils and it works. And, mm -hmm. and you know, like, what does it take when you have to close down for a COVID and you have yeah. people that you're, you know, that are, you're their livelihood. How long did you hands. have to close down for? We, I don't, that's a good question. We were close. We, oh, we closed right before the state closed down because my mm. sister was in New York. Mm -hmm. And so she could see it coming. Oh yeah. And then um, we probably were the, one of the later ones to open back up because mm -hmm. we just tend to want to make sure our employees feel safe. And well, and by nature of making these cookies, they ha you have to be together at some level, you know. So making sure you did we it. Yeah, we pretty much converted a lot of our retail space to production space bet, so that we yeah. could socially distance and yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad we're not doing that anymore. I know. <laughs> so. Your sister, is she in New York still? She is living in, she's in California now. So okay, she's good. Married, yeah. Okay. Um, how has it been, if you don't mind me asking, I always like to know, how, what's it like having a family business? Had you ever had one before? No. Okay. Um, Chris and I just have this ability to, even when we first started, we kind of gravitated towards different parts of the business. Mm -hmm. And we kind of, we didn't really sit down and say, okay, well, I'm going to cover this and you're going to handle that. And we're just going to make cookies and sell them. Yes. And so we just started, I was more back of house. She was more front of house mm -hmm. when we first started. Um, she was, got our website up and running, customer service. And I was worrying, working on more production schedules and the production team. And we just kind of started navigating that way. Mm. Um, the thing that Chris and I, which has helped us, I think, a lot, is that we kind of have this, even though we're very different, we have the same core beliefs and mm -hmm. how we treat people mm -hmm. and the value in that. And so we're always going to put our employees first. We always, from the very beginning, even when we had five people sitting around the table rolling cookies, mm -hmm. it was really important that everybody felt like it was a safe space in the sense that people left their drama outside, yeah. um, that it was just a little bit more cookie light yeah. inside. And yeah. so even now, like we've really worked to cultivate that positive work environment because mm -hmm. that's, we feel like that's the reason people stay. Yeah. And so Chris and I knew that we can make decisions on each other's behalf because we had the same mm. beliefs on how to, how we treat people yeah. and how we make decisions. Um, and she's such a great um, friend and best friend mm. and supporter. And um, she's always had this knack for like, kind of be being in tune with what's going on with flavors and mm. you know um she's out out there yes yeah, she's just paying a, attention paying attention i tend to kind of be more like my head down and focused on yep. what i'm doing yep 
Those are so we kind of work well to balance each other out. Those are critical pieces. Yeah. The person who's you know focused on how things are going on the ground and the person who's out watching. Mm-hmm. And also yeah. like knowing when like I tend to go for a lot and then um, Krista would always bring me back in a little bit. So mm-hmm. I, even when I'm making decisions, I always feel like she's sitting on my shoulder. Yeah. Do yeah. you feel like you've ever stretched beyond what you should have? Um, I think it's a little bit like childbirth, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you probably do and it's painful and then mm-hmm. you, then you get all the rewards from it. And you're like, if I knew everything that it was going to be, would I have done it? Yeah. And there's been, I mean, I feel like that's something daily. Like one day I'm like, I'm high. The next day I'm like, this is so difficult. So you yeah. just kind of have to ride the roller coaster. Yeah. Um, but I do check in with myself and I feel like um, our company wants to grow mm-hmm. and we're at a point now where we could sit back a little bit and let all the programs that we've built the last you know year and a half them grow them. into them yeah but we're still working on new programs and mm. it's it's very it's a very creative energy which is addictive yes <laughs> especially when you have space now yeah. is the Atascadero facility are you going to have a, a storefront no it's not just there. production if we did it um, it wouldn't be in that space okay Okay. Will you have like tours through there or anything like um, that? I know you're going to tour done a, We've done a couple. Yeah. Um, and I'd also love to do something with the schools and do workshops yeah. where um, students could come in and mm-hmm. work in teams and learn how to make product. And maybe we can sneak in some um, knowledge or some feedback on what it's like to go to work. Mm-hmm. And, um, good. Yeah. you know, it's how to bring your magic and add to the environment and mm-hmm. be positive and um, all those messages, which I think are um, important for people entering the workforce. Yeah, yeah. And so that would be really fun. Yeah. Could do that. That'll be something we'll work on next year. And who knows? I mean, some of those kids may end up in your, you know, your C-suite helping <laughs> you, you know, to to transition the business to bigger and better things. Oh, we've seen like young, um, you know, family members and not family members, but young um, community um, people coming in, customers coming into our store and then a few years later, we're hiring them. Yeah. So it, they definitely yes. do see people grow up and you realize how old you are. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> like, wow, more and more. How's that possible? <laughs> yeah. All right. So I want to talk about the samples because they are, I, in my understanding, they are critical to yes. the, for the customer to understand what this thing is mm-hmm. because they may not see it everywhere. And the fact that it's in the name, the brown butter sea salt, you know, this is, this is how the cookies constructed, a lot of people may not be familiar with that. Uh-huh. So about how much of your production goes into samples? Because you are very generous with well, them as well. Well, it's interesting. I think it um, kind of happens organically because we do have um, so much production that we're making mm. and we package all of our products and we're very particular. So if it's not perfect, it goes into the sample that bag. makes sense. And yeah. so it's just really easy for us to just um, know that we're going to get so many cookies from each batch and so many are going into the sample crate for the three different stores. Mm-hmm. And um, so that part's, I mean, sometimes during peak season, you have to break into your um, real product. Yeah. But most times we can navigate with just with what we're, what we have as overage and yeah. it works out. And we've always felt like that was the best um, spend for us as well. Um, so you never considered stopping it? No. Yeah. With every time I go in, um, oh, look at my kitty. <laughs> Hi. Every time I go in, it, they're on it. 
do you want to try this? Do you want to try this? And it's actually been great for those new flavors, especially to be able to understand what an almond flavored cookie or, you know, for instance, the sage cookie, mm-hmm. it's a great way to get people going. Yeah, I think we've went from sampling everything back mm-hmm. in the day to now trying to maybe sample three mm-hmm. so that it's not too overwhelming for people that have never experienced our product. Yeah. So yeah. Um, now we're asking everyone just to start with the original, mm-hmm. give people a little minute to experience it and understand what it is they're tasting, maybe show them a visual. And then um, then if they're interested in more flavors, then we have other flavors that they can try mm-hmm. um, because it can be a little overwhelming. <laughs> yes. Well, and so speaking of different flavors... You don't only do the hand-rolled, like, shortbread cookies. You have full-size... Yes, we call them classics. Classics, So we have a chocolate chunk that is 26% of that business. Um, Snickerdoodle is our second best-selling classic cookies. Lemon sugar. We have oatmeal raisin. Mm -hmm. We're launching a new cookie in another week, which is the Everybody Cookie. What does that mean? And I'm super excited about it. So the Everybody Cookie (laughs) is a chocolate chip cookie. Uh Uh-huh. Um, but it is made with oat flour and it's anybody can eat it. Anybody can eat it. And it's also made with coconut oil, does not have eggs. So we're not calling, I mean, it is a vegan cookie. It is a gluten-free cookie, but it's, um, we're calling it everybody cookie because it really is not, um, I think it holds up to any classic style chocolate chip cookie. It's not a less than cookie. Yeah. Um, And so that's really fun. So we'll be launching that in another week in our stores. I am so happy to hear that because I have been kind of um, resetting my my uh, diet a little bit. It just it needed I needed to do some elimination to get back to baseline. And so I have been eating no dairy and no gluten. So I could have this. You could have this cookie. The chocolate chips are even dairy free. Yes, they are. They're vegan chocolate chips. Dude. Yes. And so it's been, um, we've been working on this cookie for a little while, but it, and it really came about when we were doing our product development for the school cookie. Mm -hmm. And we thought, oh my gosh, this is the concept. And then, but it didn't have um, the school they wanted whole wheat. Yeah. And so we have, it's a whole grain, but it's not the whole wheat. and so that was really one of the gifts of that process as well, because we're like, oh, my goodness, this cookie is great. We would love to have love it, it in our stores. So, so we'll have that. And that might be something, too, that might have a little bit more um, possibilities of being a broader distribution for us. Yes. So our products now with our brown butter sea salt cookies and the browning of the butter and the hand-rolled mm-hmm. shortbreads, they really lend themselves to our regional business. They're yeah. not something that's easily scaled, mm-hmm. where we feel like the everybody cookie might fit into that demographic and then also we're working on a concept for frozen brown butter sea salt cookie custard yeah oh that's not what I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say dough or something like yeah so so custard is a rich form of ice cream richer form of ice cream and it's if you think about the vanilla based brown butter sea salt cookie we feel like the vanilla custard lends itself to that same flavor ability for us to put the brown butter and the sea salt into that yeah. um, the custard and the cookies do you and put the cookie on top or something so we're working on the the product development at this point we've played with the the, the formula for the base of mm-hmm. the brown butter and sea salt um, custard and then we're working with a company 
um, and doing some product development in January, we'll, we'll start playing with like what size the cookie chunks need to be, and would this be something that we work with a co-packer to fill for us? You know, do you you know what I'm going to ask? Do you need someone to be sampling <laughs> these things? I can. Yes, I can, I'll let you know. <laughs> I can. I can formulate a posse. We can help you. I know a couple of children who would just. It's like yeah, it's test like groups. It would be so Wonka. fun to have like people in and do the test sampling. So we love, we've been working on this concept. Um, I've been working on it mentally since, you know, probably three years, two years. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's something that we feel like could be in our stores, in pints, and it could be. What about um, wholesale? Do you ever think yeah, about that? Yeah, that would be something we feel like would definitely be um, something we could offer yeah. to artisan markets and do you do that already? Do you already have We accounts? have some wholesale, but more from a, um, I would say we have a handful of wholesalers okay. for the brown butter sea salt cookies. We did do a new program with a um, limited, not limited edition, but an exclusive to the wine and local mm. retailers in our area where it's a box, a dozen box with half dozen cocoa, half dozen mm -hmm. um, original. Mm -hmm. So we don't carry it in our stores so that they can price it based on their market yeah. and really have something special. So we have accounts that have been doing that, um, mm. offering that product, which is fun. That's super fun. And also I should mention that your, is it the mint cocoa is uh -huh, gluten-free? Cocoa gluten-free. And um, and I love, first of all, that you only make that cookie gluten-free. You don't have a cocoa mint outside of the gluten-free. So that you can It's good enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also that it's like, it's good enough to stand on its own. Absolutely. Uh, my mother-in-law has celiac and she very much appreciates the fact yeah. that it's not only available, but that it's a really high quality. Yes. You know, it doesn't feel like a kick to the side kind of a oh, thing. Oh, yes. That's really important because you yeah. want to feel like it can stand up against anything. Yeah. Now... I mean, what's the plan going forward? World domination or, I mean, <laughs> you know, you've got all this new stuff. I know new equipment, new facility, and you have to stabilize somewhat. But say, we do. say in, <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> I was just before I was here, I had an interview with um, a winemaker who is trying to transition a vineyard into something far more organic, biodynamic and natural. But he, you know, I was... As he was talking about how long that takes, I was comparing it to turning a cruise ship, which mm -hmm. is you don't get immediate gratification when you yes. make a turn like that. It, it's very gradual. You don't get to see where you came from for quite a while. Uh, but assuming that things do stabilize maybe in the next five, ten years, where would you like to be in ten years? Oh, ten years. That's too long. Is I, it? I mean, I, no, I think it's too long when Chris and I tend to um, navigate a little closer do you um, forecast like three years, that kind of thing? We mostly just look, I would say probably, we, we know where we want to go, but it's kind of an organic, you know, you have to like look at where you're going and, and grow into what you have. And then I feel like creative projects like the school cookie came came to us and we're like oh they came to you yes that's so great yeah so it was really so you kind of um you don't always get to see what's coming from around the corner hmm. and there's some um joy in that too and just hmm. knowing that you know the decision to have a bigger space obviously meant we were would be growing our business yeah. and so um and then getting into the space and then determining like what that really needs to be and mm -hmm. and um yeah, you can't know until you're in there yes. with the stuff with the people 
Yeah. And then looking at these other opportunities, like if the frozen custard is an opportunity and like, where will that take us? And so it's kind of hard to say, like, do we, would we like it to be a national brand? That would be amazing. Mm -hmm. But you have to go through the the steps Mm -hmm. um, and And see if people want it also. I mean, it could surprise, it could surprise you. It could surprise you how much they want it and that you you can't produce enough, that kind of thing. It's always those two fears, like one that no one's going to want it or everyone's going to want it. So it's kind of balancing that. And then we just try to check in with ourselves too about what we need personally Mm -hmm. for work-life balance. Like my sister, Krista, is semi-retired. So she um, is, is, you know, she and I communicate, Mm. you know, every day practically. And so just checking in with what, you know, like myself, like, what do I need personally? You know, so I was I'm, going to ask you actually personally goals or, or, you know, thoughts about self-care as you, you know, 10 years from now, you'll be 68. So yeah. like, what do you see happening in that? Yeah, so I think that, um, we already have been making moves to really try to, um, empower our directors mm-hmm. and managers and let go and let them manage their areas because yeah. we've always been so involved and still being involved, but, um, you know, freeing yourself up to maybe work on new projects or, you know, if I want to go in three days a week instead of five days a week and mm-hmm. just create a little bit more um, balance for myself. And it's really, you know, I have the ability to do that now. It's just I tend to be an all or nothing kind of person. I so I'm always that. jumping in and I'm like, I'm dying to do Pilates and I can mm-hmm. do Pilates, just have to go sign up, you know. Yes. So it's just really being, um, you know, creating that for myself is my mm-hmm. own challenge. And then I'm always thinking about work. I'm chewing on ideas. So it's like, I'm not even, I don't realize I'm even creating. Yeah. And then the next day I'll be like, oh, and I thought of this. I'm like, when did I think of that? When I was sleeping? So, I mean, or? It's hard to shut that off though. Yeah. Creativity is very hard to compartmentalize. Yes. I and I like how it just kind of bubbles under the surface yeah. until it's ready to come out. And um, yeah, so I just, I, I just know at this point I want to continue to, um, expand and grow. Mm. And I feel like I always look at our team too, and we have these amazing employees and they want to grow. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm always in the camp of going after new programs and growth to keep up with the, the payroll costs versus Mm. trying to downsize. Yeah. And so that's always more comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I do think that the next thing would be like what's involved in, creating a national brand and who do we need to surround ourselves to, to, you know, we don't know how to do that. And I don't want to take five years to learn how I'd rather surround myself with some talent and someone Mm. maybe attract someone who would like to help us with that. So, um, you know, knowing like we're in the past, I might, you know, roll out one flavor of custard Mm -hmm. in the next year, maybe, you know, two flavors. I'd rather do like six flavors at once and go big and go big for us. You know, we tend to be very, um, move a little more slowly yeah and I feel like it's if it's right on the money why not just go ahead and do it Mm. and do it a little bit bigger because like I said I'm I'm 58 so I don't want to take 10 years to do it (laughs) rolling out every flavor every two years yeah Yeah, so it's just we move a little faster yep um yeah and just continuing to check in with yourself about what you know what I need what Krista needs Mm -hmm. and we're grateful that we can have this community um, business and employ Mm -hmm. people and have a lifestyle ourselves and so it's been a really amazing gift that we could never have you know guessed and also challenging at times Mm -hmm. and you know so it's a lot of it's a it's a perishable good Mm -hmm. I mean I don't know how it couldn't be complicated and also owning your own business I mean that's a 
that's an area that I've never had to even think about. But I'm in awe of people who do. It's a lot of risk-taking. It's a lot of creativity. It's a lot of energy. And um, like I said earlier, I don't mean to imply that you're putting out fires all the time. But I'm sure there are times that it feels like that. Yeah, I think um, it's funny. Sometimes I'll get a call from one of our managers and it's good news. I'm like, oh, that's great. Because usually I do go to you for, you know, problem solving. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you have to be definitely comfortable um, with riding the roller coaster. Yep. And there has to be some highs or you wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't love it. it so much. Yeah. You know, so it's, and it is definitely challenging. Mm. Um, I personally love that kind of stimulation. Yeah. And so it works for me and it's certainly not for everyone. And, um, but it's extremely, it's very rewarding. Yeah. You know, so it to sit around a, you know, the group of people and create and the energies, you know, elevated and yeah. it's really fun. And ultimately it's a celebration product. Nobody feels sad or bad yeah. when they're eating a cookie. Well, I shouldn't say that. Some people maybe eat the cookie to not feel so no. sad and bad. We've all had that cookie before. <laughs> um, so, Here's a dumb question, but a question that I'm sure everybody asks you and wants to know is how many cookies do you eat? Oh, in your like, let's say in a week, how many do you have? I pretty much at this point only eat when I'm doing product development. Okay. So I understand that. Yes. And I keep trying to um, allow like every we have, I pretty much can tell you everyone's palate around us, who you know, and I really could let go of it, but I just can't. And I love just the, the just tasting the the new new flavors and Definitely. the and that's when I that's when I do all my sampling. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise not so much. Not so much. Yeah. But that's that makes a lot of sense yeah. to me. Um okay, last question. If it was your last day on earth and you were going to celebrate this beautiful business that you and your sister had built and all the people you've met, you know, the 5 and 10 year club, I love that you have that. Mm-hmm. And all the people you've made happy, including students and schools, what would you eat to celebrate and what would you drink and who would be there? Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm going to start with who would be there. So I have to do a call out to my aunt and uncle. Mm. So my uncle Harry and Aunt Tovia, they have been the reason we are where we are now with our business. Mm. They, um, Every time we've had to go through this time of growth and investment and they have been the ones to be there for us. So mm, they encouraging um, and financially. So yeah. they when we were in our little tiny um, first shop and we moved to the bigger red building in Cayucas, they mm. purchased the building and became our landlords. Wow. And then five years later, we ended up buying the building mm. um, from them. Um, they're the ones that helped us financially with this um, investment of this new space. Mm. And, you know, for there's many people out there that don't have that kind of support and it's impossible to grow unless you have some help. Yeah. Um, and they have been there. My aunt Toby is like fearless and mm. she's, um, supportive and my uncle and it's amazing, um, that we were, we have that kind of support. So they obviously mm. will have the head spot at the table. Do they live here locally? They live in um, California, but they live up in um, San Francisco okay. area. How wonderful to have people who believe in what you're doing mm-hmm. and in you 
Um, yes, that especially in California, when you say you can't do anything well without help. I mean, here, especially the, the expense of everything, how wonderful to have somebody having your we back. We could never have done it. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say more than what I'm having, it would be more like a big long table with everybody, you mm-hmm. know, enjoying and platters and shared food mm-hmm. and shared experience. I'm, I tend to love, you know, more olive oil, herbs and yeah. farmer's market food and, yeah. um, and I do love all types of champagne and red wine and white wine. And I have to say real quick that my cat oatmeal is rubbing against you, which is a massive compliment. Oh. She's pretty skittish, so she likes what you're serving at your party. <laughs> she likes the big long table. She does, <laughs> yeah. So you like white wines, you were saying. I love all. I mean, I have to say I love... Um, I mean, I don't want to call out because I don't want to, elim- you know, not speak yeah. of somebody, but I love, you know, the Rome blends and mm-hmm. I love champagne and I love but red wine. Wines. You're a wine uh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And celebration. Yeah, and celebration. And uh, my favorite thing, I mean, we do a lot of cooking, but my favorite thing is we have, you know, a core group of friends that we, you know, people, I have a friend that I went to high school with that mm. I was best friends with that have now we, we've reconnected. And so our weekends are always social and mm-hmm. barbecuing and gathering. And so I do try to balance out my crazy work life with yeah. my weekends. Good. Yes. And so it's, um, Life is good. Yeah. And I'm grateful. Yeah. The cookie cookie company owner has a good thing going for <laughs> sure. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. That's it for another conversation on the Consumed Podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Sign up for the newsletter at letsgetconsumed.com and follow along on Instagram at consumed.podcast. This podcast is edited by Chris Lambert and produced by me, Jamie Lewis. Until next time, thanks for listening.